one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Good morning. How's everybody today? Praise God. Bless. Good to see you guys. Glad you guys are here this morning joining us. And those of you that are live streaming, I really appreciate you being there. Let us know you're, you're watching, you're tuning in. Give us a hello. A couple of things before we get started. As you know, we do our message first. We'd like to get the word out. And uh, this last week, I posted a short video, which I generally do at least once a week. And I said, the church will be open soon. Well, I spoke too soon because the very next day, the governor closed it all down again. So we're still open. Amen. I mean, we got people showing up and we're keeping our social distance and we're making sure that everything's sanitized. So if you want to visit with us and come be a part of this group, uh, please do so. Because we are now finding out that, uh, well, I, I don't want to get anywhere close to what I think, but we're finding out that this coronavirus, which has been uh, heavy on the hearts of many people. It's, it's dangerous. It's, it's uh, infecting a lot of people. Yet, there needs to be a time that it has to open up. So we need to trust God, step forward, and see what we're going to do from there. I'm not asking you to go against any orders. I'm just asking you to use wisdom and uh, be safe out there. Amen? Amen? You know, one of the things I read this last week, uh, the gospel according to Facebook, as I say sometimes, uh, somebody posted a, a picture of a guy saying, I think it was The Rock, says, the Bible is old and antiquated and is no use for today's living. And then in the back seat, this little girl says, well, you know, the Bible does say that you ought to wash your hands before you eat, wash your hands all the time, and you ought to uh, make sure that you cook your food right and don't eat bats. Now, that's just in Leviticus. <laughs> so how on time is that, right? So anyways, um, uh, we want to ask you to continue to pray for our church, our church family, for those that are, are not able to make it, we, we do pray for you. For those of you that are tuning in, we're praying for you. We had a, a little bit of announcement this morning. Mother's Day's coming up. That's another thing I mentioned this last week is Mother's Day's coming up next Sunday. Uh, we need videos. If you'd like to blast it on our Facebook Live, we, are, we will blast it during the service next Sunday at 1030. So if you're able to, put together a short video, 10, 15 seconds, and uh, we'll, we'll put a montage together with some music and we'll... Just go from there. But let's tell our moms how much we love them. Amen? All right. Well, let me ask you to stand at this time. I'm going to go ahead and lead us in a word of prayer. We have uh, a few people out today. And uh, we're going to be praying. Continue praying for our sister Stephanie. Uh, continue praying for uh, Joan as well. Uh, Stephanie, as you know, is in the hospital. It's not related to COVID. It's something else. And she is still needing our prayers. We need to lift her up. Encourage her if you can, if you can call her, text her. Also, we need um, a prayers for Joan. She has been confined now, well, since back in December. She fell, broke her shoulder, and she hasn't, uh, she hasn't been able to come out. Then this happened, and so if you can, give her a call, give her a text, encourage her, let her know that we love you. And Joan, we do love you. I know you're listening, and uh, I'm just letting you know we love you. We, we miss you as well. We miss all you guys. I miss hugging you guys. I miss, uh, I just, this is getting a little bit too difficult for me. I, I'm, I'm wanting to start hugging and, I, and I'm doing it. So uh, if you don't mind, but you know, no, no, we, we won't. <laughs> we are promoting uh, social distancing here. And because we are promoting social distancing and being careful, 
we, we, don't, we don't want to cross that line. If I've already said it, we've already said it, we don't want to be found to be uh, telling not the truth, which the Bible calls what? A liar. <laughs> yes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get started in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you haven't done so already, uh, you can do so while we're praying or uh, just let's get ready to go to the Lord. And Father, we, we do want to thank you once again for an opportunity like this. And uh, they, they are now getting to the point where it, it is draining on, on families. It's getting draining to individuals, to businesses, to the churches. And Father, I know it's getting so draining to some of the pastor friends that I've talked to. And mainly the biggest reason that many of my pastor friends, including myself, are, are not really in tune to what's going on right now is because of the connectivity that each pastor has. The heart of a pastor just desires to be next to their congregants and to, to hug and to shake hands and to just to fellowship and to, with a meal over a cup of coffee. And Lord, that has just been distanced for us. But we know, Lord, that it, it is not the church building that brings us together, but it is the church that meets in this building. And we thank you, God, that we have the ability to communicate through prayer, through uh, text, through phone calls, through the Zoom, whatever it may be. We are communicating, contacting, and constantly in touch with one another. And we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us, a new month, a new day, uh, and, and for us to be able to step out in faith and recognize that your presence is here and constantly pushing us forward. And Lord, there are so many people that are distraught about all these things that have happened. The fear that has gripped their hearts. Lord, I just pray your peace upon each person. Help us to be safe. Help us to be covered. Uh, help us to understand that you are still in control, regardless of what might happen, regardless of what the government might tell us, regardless of what the physicians might tell us, you are still in total control, Lord, and so nothing's going to happen unless you allow it to happen. So, Father, I thank you once again for giving us opportunities like today. We lift up to you those that aren't able to be here. We thank you for your word. We ask, God, that you just open up the scriptures to us and help us to apply the principles that Paul has laid out to the people in Corinth. And, Lord, we know that right now, we need some practical advice for living. So I, I thank you, God, that you give us this direction even now. So, Lord, we, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you, and we just bow ourselves and our hearts before you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated. Okay, if, if you look around you, you'll see some, you'll see some um, flyers or uh, the outlines that are with you. We have the outlines already posted on Facebook. If you want to go on Facebook and download or just take a look at it, we have the ability to communicate with you in uh, such manner. Uh, but at this time, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm going to read the first four verses, and I'm going to go from there after that and just come back, and we're going to just take it apart a little bit. But before I read that, I just want to share something with you. Last week, we initiated, I started, I talked to you about the church, uh, and, and not, not necessarily just the church, but when I say the church, I mean you, those that are called and an elect, those of you that have been regenerated and have the, uh, the genuineness of your salvation secured in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We, we have come to a point in our ministry where we are now in the reformed thinking. And last week I mentioned to you about our being reformed and transformed. And it was mainly more toward the resurrection of the body, how God is going to reform us and transform us because this body is only good for down here. It is not going to be good for where, where we're at with God. It's not going to pass muster. We're not going to be able to get there. 
And so there has to be a, a reformed and a transformed body that goes up. But I also use that to kind of explain to you what's been going on in our church in the last seven years as far as our reformed thinking. And the reformed thinking basically is going back to the scriptures and saying, okay, what does the Bible say? How does the Bible teach us about what we should be doing, specifically uh, about our salvation, about, about our calling, uh, the reason that we are here. And, and I guess you can sum, sum it up in, in two words that we use here. It's to glorify and to edify. We are designed to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We are to glorify Him with our life, bring glory to Him, bring, let everything that we do just bring attention to God. And we're to edify one another through teaching, through training, through fellowship, through uh, reaching out. We're to glorify and edify. Glorify God, edify the saints. And that's what we're uh, about doing within the church in itself. And so services on Sunday morning are designed to instruct and to show you what the Bible says. Now, there are a lot of other differences, which we'll get to as we go through there. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, the messages that we talked there, we spoke specifically on what we believe what the Holy Spirit's responsibility is. Because there's a, a huge amount of people that follow what the Spirit leads them to do. The problem is, is that, well, Jesus Christ never told us to follow the Spirit. He told us to follow Him. He says, follow me. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring glory to Jesus Christ, not to himself. Now, we'll get into that much later again. But if you want to go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, several weeks, several weeks. Chapter 13, of course, is the love chapter. And then chapter 14 on how the spiritual gifts are to be used within the church. The speaking in tongues, the healings, the miracles, and, and those things that, that the Bible talks about. And Paul is but basically just telling these guys, you guys are doing this wrong. And it's unfortunate that that's exactly what a lot of churches are doing today. But the biggest difference is in what's called the prosperity gospel. In the prosperity gospel, there is a claim that people say, you just have to ask God with enough faith and he'll give it to you. And he'll bless you just like me. And he'll give you what I have. He'll give it to you because God owes it to you. You deserve that type of life. All you have to do is name it and claim it. And it's yours. Unfortunately for a lot of people that have tried this formula, for them it hasn't worked out. And they lose faith. They lose a lot of what they understand about who God is. Some people have even turned away from God and have followed their own idols and their own ideas and their own ideology. And so the biggest difference... For those that are in this mindset, this process, we understand that it's not about what I get, but it's about what I give. It's not about what God owes me. It's what I should be given to him. Not that I owe him, but I owe him my life because he died on the cross. You see, people tell me all the times, you know, I deserve to be happy. God doesn't want me to be lonely. God doesn't want me to be poor. I, I, I deserve, and, and the people are always coming out with what I deserve. If you read the scriptures carefully, you would see what it is that you and I really deserve. We deserve eternal damnation, totally separated from God. But he goes out and he picks you and he says, no, not you, not you, not you. He wants you to be with him. And when we start asking God to give us what we deserve, we really don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what the, the scriptures are saying. And so Paul turns around, and, and I started to say this 
Because last week I talked about how we used to bring the messages. And, and I would bring topical preaching. I'd go, I'd find a topic, and then I'd go from there and look all over the Bible to look to see how it is that we're supposed to live our lives. And, and, and those messages were good. They were encouraging. It was scripture, please don't get me wrong, and, and it edified and it built you up. But that's not the way it's supposed to be done. We're supposed to read God's word and let the word of God speak to us. Because right here, after I said that, right here in chapter 16, what Paul does is he gives us about a, almost a dozen of how-tos, kind of like what I used to do before. You see, it, it furthers my argument on stating that you don't have to go all over the Bible to find the how-tos, it's right there. Right after his deep theological dissertation, 58 verses, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the saints, the resurrection and the power, and how we're going to be transformed and, and shaped, reshaped and reformed. And he's talking about all these important facts. And then and in verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And then the very next verse, he says, Now, concerning the collection for the saints... He gets into very practical, applicable teaching. He goes from theology to practicality, and he does that a lot. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm talking about, oh, by the way, and he does that a lot through his writings. And so throughout the, the rest of this chapter, now he's already finished up talking to the church. He's, he's reprimanded them for all the things that they've been doing. Remember, this is a church in trouble. And so the last chapter, I'd like to go back to what we started the book of 1 Corinthians with. How to grow as a Christian. Because Paul here in chapter 16, he basically says this. Okay, now I want to show you how to grow as a Christian. And the very first thing Paul says, you need to give. Give. Give and it will be given back to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, will men pour into your laps. Because with the same measure that you give, you shall receive. And so Paul just sums it up. Now, we're not going to get into the whole process of giving. We're going to talk about that in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul talks about how to give, when to give, you know, how often to give, how much to give. And we're going to touch a little bit about that today because it's right in line of where we're at. And many of you listening and those of you here today, you're probably thinking, you want us to give during a time like today? In the middle of this crisis that we're in, this pandemic? You want us to give of the little that we already have? Well, folks, as I mentioned to you before, everything that we've talked about in 1 Corinthians has fallen right into place, including Resurrection Sunday, when we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is very on point for a time like right now. And I want you to know that what we talk about here is biblically based. And so when we get to this point, and Paul says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Father, thank you for this portion of scripture that's right on time for each one of us. We know that this is a difficult time. And to ask your church and your people to give during this difficult time, 
Lord, it is almost counterintuitive. But Lord, you brought this message to us at this point, this time, for a reason. And I pray that your word, your word, Lord, leads us in all that we do. Thank you, Father. As you lead us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are a church that believes in giving. We are a giving church. Our church has been not a huge church. We're not a very wealthy church, but God has blessed us beyond measure. When we first got here 20 years ago, this building was dilapidated. Those of you that were here, there's a couple of you here that were here when we first started, when I first got here. Windows were broken, the roof was falling apart, there was things going on. God allowed us to be with the small group, allowed us to make the renovations within this building. He has blessed us beyond measure. And much of it came from the people that have prayed and have, have honored the Lord Jesus Christ and God himself for what he's done. This church was started back in 1962-63, and it was just this little building here. And, and men and women that were committed to this area of North Park, this area of San Bernardino off of the corner of North Park and Mayfield, or North Park and Electric. And in this area, it was called the Arrowhead Farms. And people were reaching other people, bringing them here. People came and they cried at the altar. They prayed for healing. They prayed for miracles and God answered them. And the people continued to grow. This church has been up and down in so many different ways. And by, by all intent and purposes, this facility, this church, should no longer be here. All the struggles that it's gone through in the last 60 some odd years, all the struggles in the pastors and the, the deacons and every infighting and outfighting and community and everybody that would come up against this church should not be here. If I were to sit and tell you the stories of the things that I've learned and heard about not only this church and this community, it would surprise you. I can't believe you guys are still there. 20 years ago, we were looking for a building. We were in, we were in Riverside and, and uh, you know, we were trying to find, first of all, we looked for a house and we couldn't find one around the area where we had planted the church. And so finally, after looking further and further out, we went to, we went to uh, Colton, we went to Corona, we went to Fontana, Rialto, and then we ended up here in San Bernardino. We found a house and we purchased the house. That was in 1999. God blessed us with the beautiful house, which we still live in now. And then one year later, I was told that this church needed a pastor. And if I, cause we were looking for a building already. And the, and the director of missions says to me, Sal, if you want a church building, there is one available, but you're going to have to commute. And I go, well, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, the church, and he gave me the location. And I said to him, and his name was Paul, I said, Paul, you won't believe this. But one year ago, to the date that we moved into this building, in September, and we moved in the following September, one year ago, we bought a house not too far from the church building. And he says to me, well, Sal, I guess, here, it's yours. And the Lord blessed us with the building. There was a note that was owed on it, and we paid it off. And, and so there were some struggles and some things that went on. But through these last 20 years, God has kept a faithful remnant, a faithful few. And some of those have gone and come and gone and come. We've reached a lot of people. People have moved on up the hill. We had a, a growing congregation. About four families moved up the hill that, that was over half, about 80% of our church. And it's been a struggle having to get them back. But through the whole process, even then, God provided for our needs. Everything that we needed, everything that we needed, it's, it's been done. And if you were to come to visit us today, and as soon as this place opens up, you'll see that we have renovated the whole area. Getting ready to do the parking lot. Getting ready to landscape the rest of this facility. 
right, right on the, the west side of the facilities of the building, there was this little area of grass. And it was just there. And, and what I'm going to do, and not only me, but with the help of the members and everyone else, but in, in what people have given us and been able to help us, we are going to make a memorial garden there to honor those that have gone on before us, to honor those with a, with a plaque or a, a rock or, or, or something of the nature, anything that you would like to donate to that area. It's going to be open for a prayer garden and a place of remembrance. Because God has blessed us so much with faithful saints, people that understood the word give. You see, you can give without loving, but when you love, you have no other recourse to do but to give. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. When you give, when you give, you are more like God than you ever think about. Because there is something that wells up within you when you have this joy of God. The, the widow that came to the temple and gave two mites and, and all these other men that were coming in and they were given out of their abundance. They had bags of coin. And they would empty the bags of coin into the box so it can hear all the jingling and the trumpets would sound and look at what this person gave. And everybody was, oh, it's no big deal. No, it's no big deal, really. Really, if it wasn't a big deal, why'd you even throw it in there like that? And Jesus was standing there just observing the hypocrisy of these men that were giving out of their abundance. And she notices this widow that comes up and gives her two copper coins. Now, he says it were her last two. I don't know how he knows that or why he would say that. But she gave out of her poverty. And he says she gave more than what any of these other people gave. See, it's not a matter of how much you give. It's the condition in the heart that you give in. Unfortunately, for the, in the time of Jesus, the people there... They gave because, well, they wanted to show off. They mishandled and misused the funds. They had yard sales and swap meets and all kinds of stuff at the, at the temple place. Jesus came in and overturned the tables and says, you will not turn this house into my father's den. So we've never had car washes and yard sales and stuff of that nature because we know that God will provide for us every step of the way. Whatever little bit that you give, God has been able to bless us. Now, the principle that Paul has given us here, first of all, he says, okay, now concerning the collection, there was a collection going on already. There was something that had already been established. This collection, he says, when I get there, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to take it to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, I want you to appoint faithful men. I want you to appoint some guys that can go and take it. And if I need to go, then you tell me, I'll go with them or they'll follow me. But we want to take care of this collection and we want to take it in. And so it was something that was already in the process of. Now, remember, uh, Corinth, Thessalonia, uh, Thessalonica, both those two places were probably the first letters written during the time prior to the, uh, the Gospels. And the first, so this is brand new stuff that, that Paul is writing about. And so it's, so because it's still brand new stuff, it was instruction that was left behind on what to do. And the reason behind that is because Paul says, here are some things that you need to do. And as I mentioned, this chapter talks about how to give. We'll talk about that today. How to make your plans. How to view opportunities for service. How to view another person's convictions. How to be spiritually fit. How to follow the most excellent way. How to serve God. How to make fellowship real. How to greet one another with a holy kiss. Unfortunately, that's not going to be able to happen now. But the, the teaching is there. How to honor our Lord Jesus Christ and how to live the Christian life as we ought to. So for the next 24 verses... 
for the end of the chapter, we are going to be looking at a few how-tos. We're going to do this part today, and hopefully by next Sunday we should finish it. I'll just condense it all. We're not going to take it all apart that way. Because I do want to get into 2 Corinthians. Next week is Mother's Day, so let's see how that all comes together. But Jesus says, you know, you're going to heaven. Paul tells them, Jesus Christ died, resurrected. You're going to die. You're going to resurrect. You're going to heaven. So make sure that you prepare your place. Send it ahead of time. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19, he says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, Jesus Christ said, what does he say? There your heart will be also. This is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. When you give, you give out of the heart because you desire to honor God. You desire to just be gracious in what God has given you. And we're going to find out here, this is not just for a select few. This is for everyone. So the first practical principle that we're going to be looking at in your outlines is how to give to my church. Number one, give to support the Lord's ministry. Give to support the Lord's work. Concerning the collection for the saints. See, this ministry is for the saints. This is for the church in Jerusalem. He's already instructed Galatia, Macedonia. He's already instructed them on how to collect this money because he says, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Galatia was way up north around Turkey from Palestine. And it's way up north. Galatia was a region as more than it was a city. It was a, a regional place of churches that had gathered together that Paul had established in different cities. And he's already uh, talked to them, and he's on his way back down. He's going to Passover. He's going to, to spend some time in, in Corinth and then, then go down to Jerusalem. And so he's telling them, he says, you know, I'm on my way through. I'd like for you to get this stuff ready. Get, get your finances ready. And, and so in this process, as he's talking to them, he says there's a big need in Jerusalem. And there always was a big need after the persecution. Remember, the church started, the Jewish people got mad, they started to persecute the Christians, the Christians dispersed, there was a group of people that were left behind, those left behind, their property was taken, their lives were taken, their, their houses were taken, some of them were imprisoned, and poverty set in really hard. It was hard for them to get a job because they didn't have that card, I guess you would say, that number, that ID, in order, because they were considered to be Christians. And when they had the ability to give, each one of them gave as they could, but now they're at a point of extreme poverty. You see, even during the times of extreme poverty, people gave. And the primary purpose for giving taught in the New Testament was for the support of the saints and the church, for the support of the ministry. And we are to give to support the ministry of the church, but this, this offering that Paul's talking about is the offering for the saints, those that are in need. We cannot really use it as a message for tithing. Uh, we can't really use it as a, as a principle for giving. Mainly, if we're going to give, Paul is saying, I want you guys to give to the saints, to the churches that are in dire need. As a matter of fact, in First, Second Corinthians chapter 8, and I think this is in your outlines, he says this, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. There were churches already given. They were giving on a regular basis. For in a severe test of affliction, 
Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their own part. Get this, folks. Out of an extreme, severe test of affliction, these churches in Macedonia, this church in Macedonia was going through a rough time. And Paul says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and i got to take a love offering. What can you guys give? And you know what they did? And when we get to 2 Corinthians, we'll see how cheerfully and willingly, out of their poverty, they says, here, take this. You know, I have a good life here. At least I'm not being afflicted like those people there. At least I'm not going through what they are going through there. Uh, somebody called me this last week and said, you know, I thought I was having problems, you know, with all the things that are going on in my life here at the home. But once he told me about our sister who's in the hospital, you know, I, I got to thank God that at least we're healthy. At least we're doing well. And that's the attitude that we all should have as far as how we give and why we give and what we pray for. So Paul is saying it's, it's for the help of the church. Number two, I need to give regularly to the Lord's work. I need to give regularly to the Lord's work. Paul says very clearly, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. In this verse, Paul gives us a few principles that I've kind of outlined for you in the outline. And it's, it basically states this. He says when to give, who is supposed to give, and where I'm supposed to give, and as a matter of fact, how much I should give. First of all, when? Well, do it on Sunday. Do it on Sunday. Why Sunday? Well, because that's the first day of the week. Paul says, do it on the first day of the week. You notice something here? The first day of the week is when? The first, when, when was Jesus Christ, when did he resurrect? When did he meet his disciples? The first day of the week. He, he met and he came to, to, to the resurrection. Every time he showed up, he showed up on the first day of the week. And so by this time, by this time, some 20, 30 years later, the Christians are already meeting on the first day of the week. So Sunday has become a very special time. Nobody had mentioned to them. Nobody was in a commandment. He didn't say, okay, stop meeting on the Sabbath, meet on Sunday now. It was just what they did. And they did this on a regular basis. And so when they came to worship, guess what they did? They gave. Let me tell you something, beloved. Giving is a part of worship. Amen. Say that with me. Giving is a part of worship. Everyone is to give, and when you give, you give as an act of worship. We've sometimes prayed, and we, we ask God, Lord, off, uh, as we offer our sacrifice, our worship to you, receive this worship, this act of worship, in a manner that will bless you. And so every week, every first of the week, Paul is telling us, he says, this is when you should, you should do this. Now, he's not describing or prescribing a legalistic requirement of parceling out the money so that we can be sure to have something to put away in the offering place. He's not saying, this is, you better do it this way. He says, here's what you need to do. Put this together. And the reason it's at the church is because he says, I want you guys to store it. Now, I'll tell you here just a little bit on how to store that. But he's saying, this is how you should bring it and store it and, and keep it so that when I do show up, I won't be calling everybody, okay, bring in your tithes, bring in your offerings, bring in what you have. And, you know, it's very interesting that even tells us who it is supposed to be giving. And the, the answer there to that outline is everyone. He says what? Each of you. He doesn't say, oh, just the wealthy. He doesn't say just the leaders. He doesn't say just those that can. He says everyone. 
And I know there are times that each of you sometimes doesn't apply to all of you. And I know there are times that you say, well, I just can't. Well, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul says, you need to set it aside. You need to be ready to bring it. You need to bring something. You see, because what you're doing is you're doing, this is a part of your worship. And it's all inclusive. No Christian is excused or exempt. Every Christian, every believer, every genuine believer knows that this is one thing that needs to be part of worship. As a matter of fact, I think even the world knows this. Even the world knows that, you know, that everybody gives. You ask people, you know, why don't you come to church? No, I don't go to church. Why not? Because all they want is my money, right? You ever hear that one? All they talk about is money. You know, the pastor's always up there saying, please give me money. I need your money so I can buy me a new jet. Or I need to get me a new Mercedes in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I just want you to know that that has damaged the prosperity gospel has damaged the gospel of Jesus Christ. The prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all, has damaged the gospel of Jesus Christ more than anything else. That has put a black eye on Christendom all the way around. Even though we can say, well, we're not part of that movement. Oh, yeah, but you guys are all alike. Because every person, every you hear these reports, and I'm not saying everyone. There's some on the other side as well, because it, it's, the, it's the love of this money. Not that money is evil. It's the love of it. It's the love of it that causes all this bitterness and anger. It's the love of money that's evil. That's what's evil. And when you get it into the church and within the leadership, it causes a lot of strain. It causes a lot of problems. And so Paul says, you know, Everybody can. We should never pray and say, Lord, bless those that can and bless those that can't. Because everybody can. It's the matter of priority. Are you willing to do what it is that God has called you to do? Our generosity to the Lord's work is best determined by what we give when we have little. Not when we have a lot. and, And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give it all. That's not the principle. It's the heart of the issue is let's see what we can do with the little bit that we have. Because in this church, in this church, God has been so faithful. Like in Luke 16, verse 10, he says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And I thank God for your faithfulness because God has blessed that abundantly. I keep telling you, when you get a chance, go to Costco. Get yourself some socks, because God's going to be blowing our socks off here pretty soon. And he has just blown us away on how, how he has been so faithful because of your faithfulness. Speaking of the churches in Macedonia, Paul says, you know, for in a severe test of affliction in their abundance and their joy of extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And this is the reason for their generosity. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Give ourselves first and foremost to Jesus Christ. And then we will give to the church. They gave out of a love for God. So where do we give? Well, Paul tells us too as well. He says, where, well, wherever you gather, the gathering place, the place of worship, you can write church. He says, wherever you guys gather, he says, and store it up. Now, I, I don't believe he meant store it up at home. I mean, there's some people that can argue that, and they do. I believe that he's saying, you store it up here at the church. Because what he says, you see, so this way when I show up, he tells us a little bit later, when I arrive, I won't have to be collecting it. It'll all be there. 
And I'll take it with me to the place where it's supposed to go. On the first day of the week, and not only on the first day of the week, but we also do it at the church building where we gather and worship, and then it's collected and put aside. Now, one of the things that has happened to us is because of this COVID-19, it's been difficult to pass around offering plates. And so what we do is we set up a box in the back. We've got uh, tape here pretty soon. We have place, we have, we're going to set this place up so it can be so sanitized and so ready for when people start showing up. It'll be a place of worship. And you can come. And I know many of you can't be here to give personally, but you can give online. We've figured that on how to do that. And people have said, Pastor, we can do that. As a matter of fact, somebody told me, you know, it's a lot easier and cheaper for me to give online than it is for me to go to the, the store and, and get out the ATM and have to pay that fee and then my bank's fee. And it's, this is a lot easier. And I'd rather do that. And he says, so each of you must set aside, set something aside and store it up and be ready so when I come to pick it up and it will be ready. How much should I give? Well, and here's the kicker. We'll touch a little bit about on this as well. How much should I give? Well, as the Lord leads. What is God asking you to give? How much is God asking you to give? Paul's exhortation here is completely discretionary, flexible, open. It's up to you. It's up to what God's giving you in your heart. He doesn't describe it as much here, but all he says is, as he may prosper. Everyone can give. Some people can give a lot because they prosper a lot. Some people can give a little because they prosper a little. And in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I do want to touch on this right now. Because one of the questions that comes up automatically is, well, what about my tithe? You know, why am I told to give a tithe? Why am I even given a tithe? Well, first of all, the tithe. A tithe is 10%. 10% of what? Well, 10% of your income. 10% of my gross or my net. You see, it starts to get a little complicated there. When we first became Christians, when they said, uh, you know, somebody asked me, he says, you know, are you going to come back to church on Sunday night? I go, you guys have church on Sunday night? Oh, yeah, we have church on Wednesdays, too. I go, Wednesdays, too? Well, you guys are fanaticals. I go, okay, I'll be there. And as I started to be a part of it, I kept hearing this thing about a tithe. What's a tithe? I didn't know what a tithe. I thought they were talking about a tie. I ain't wearing no ties. I what is a tithe? And they said, well, a tithe is 10% of your income. I go, oh, okay. Well, I looked in my pocket and I had like 30 bucks. I'll, go, I'll give three bucks. And, and so, the, well, okay, you give as much as you want. But, and so the, the standard for us became very quickly, when, when they said 10%, I says, okay, we'll give 10%. And my wife and I agreed and we started giving 10% long time ago. So, but the proportion of it, 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 and it differs between churches and Christians. Some Christians will even say that, it's antiquated. It's Old Testament. We shouldn't even be giving. That's the law. Today we should be giving whatever we feel like it. Well, that's true. But you see, a common tradition has always been 10%. And the practice was common in a lot of the cultures of old. A lot of people used to give 10%. And when Abraham was called to be the father of many nations, it was just him and his workers and all his cattle. And he met a priest named Melchizedek, and he says, you know, Melchizedek, I really appreciate your wisdom, your, 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 your status, your position. I'm giving you 10% because you were a priest of the Most High God. And so it was given even before God had commanded it. God didn't command it. God commanded it. It says, well done, Abraham. You're generous. You figured you'd give 10%. That was good. As a matter of fact, Jacob's offering was voluntary as well. He says, you know, God, if you bless me in Genesis chapter 28, if you bless me and help me to prosper, I will give you 10% of all that I make. And so he did. Again, God didn't ask him to. That was just voluntarily. So there was already a system in place of some sort that 10% was a standard. 
When the nation of Israel, as a matter of fact, before I go there, there's only one place in the Old Testament where it's commanded on how much to receive and take. And it was during the time of Joseph, when he was at Pharaoh's. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery, went in, uh, was a prisoner, came out, told Pharaoh his dream. Pharaoh had this dream that uh, the seven cows that were lean, seven cows that were fat. Well, first of all, seven cows that were fat, seven cows that were lean. The lean ones ate the fat ones, and they were still lean, skinny, bony. So the Pharaoh said, I don't know what this means. Well, Joseph says the seven fat cows mean seven years of prosperity. The seven lean cows mean seven years of famine. So Pharaoh says, so what should I do? What you should do, he says, you should take some portion of these next seven years and set it aside. How much? Well, uh, a fifth. A fifth was 20%. So a 20% was taken from everyone and put aside into barns. So during the next seven years after that, the famine hit, they were ready, and they were situated, and they were set to be able to hold on and help the people of Egypt. So, so but prior to that, that's about the only time that you hear anything that is given as far as uh, how much. After the Mosaic law came into place, then the temple, then the priests, then everything else, God started to initiate, here's what you need to do. You need to start collecting some funds. But before that, again, he says, I want you to build a tabernacle, and here are the articles that you need. You go back over Exodus and Numbers, and you'll see all the things that, that were needed. And you'll, you'll see, Leviticus, excuse me, and you'll see everything that was needed. And people gave, and they gave, and they gave because they knew it was for the temple. And there was so much that they gave. They says, okay, okay, you know, this is enough. I think we can do it with this. After it was all situated in Leviticus 27, he says, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed or the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy and belongs to the Lord. Every 10%, God says, that's all God's. That's God's portion. Which, okay, that gives us a little bit of an idea where it started to come from. However, one of the things that most people don't know, from those tithes, the Levites were supposed to give another tithe. Because the Levites were working around the temple. They are the ones that took care of things. And so the people took care of the Levites. And the Levites were supposed to give a tenth of what they got. The tithes, burnt offerings, sacrificials, contributions, everything was free will or you know, just out of volition. They just wanted to do it. It was the firstborn of an animal, mentioned in Deuteronomy 14, to be used to support the nations, the national feasts and holidays. And then there was another tithe on top of that second tithe. A third tithe was every ten. Uh, every other, every third year, excuse me, 10% was to be given uh, for use in what was called the celebration tithe. And as you study those and other related texts carefully, it becomes evident that it wasn't just 10%. When you start to add up all these percentages, it comes out to somewhere around 23, 25% of a person's income. Now, if you want to get biblical, that would be the standard that we would use. So where does the tithe come from? How do you decide on having a tithe of 10% of our income? Well, what started to happen was that there was a standard to be met. But before we go there, uh, once again in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, and the standard has always been generosity. The standard has always been generosity. Even in the Old Testament, look at your, look at your outlines in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, what? Honor the Lord your God with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. He says, honor. Then, he says, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You honor him with your first fruits. How much is that? Well, honor him. Be generous. He says, when you're generous, it is poured back into your life. The idea was to give to the Lord generously and to give to the Lord first. 
not second or third or what's left over, but first. In Proverbs 11, 24, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, only suffers want. It's interesting on how God just seems to bless my family and my life the more I give. It's always been that way. I, I can't understand it. The more we give, God gives us back. He cannot, we, you cannot outgive God. In other words, if you want to increase your, 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 uh, your prosperity, then you need to share it generously. And that's not what the prosperity gospel teaches. In the prosperity gospel, you just come out and you get it. Now, they do get the offerings and whatnot, and they take it and they use it for themselves. But God says, you, yourself, are to give it to a place that is going to be responsible with it. To raise money for the tabernacle, as I said earlier, they just brought all kinds of contributions. And the standard was always a heart-directed generosity. Always. And and this tie that was brought, it was a required taxation for the operation of Israel. And so this 23% that they were to bring, it was to keep the nation of Israel going in their worship and in their time together. And so there really isn't no amount or percentage ever required in the New Testament. And, and every believer is supposed to give as they give, as they, they feel led to. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will what? Will also reap bountifully. The benefits of our willing, cheerful giving to the Lord will produce both spiritual and material blessings. As we give, and the Lord is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so, so the, the principle comes out of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus commends the tithe. Well, you give of your cumin, your dill, your spices. You give 10% of everything. You give, I mean, you're so meticulous in your giving. They're so meticulous, in, and you even parse it out, and you make sure that 10% is given of everything that you have. But you're a hypocrite, he says, because you don't give it with good motives. Your heart is not right. He even calls them, you hypocrites. The, the story, the parable of, of the Pharisee and the tax collector that came to the church building, and he stands up there, God, I give you everything, 10% of all that I have, and I'm not a, a slave or a woman or a tax collector like this guy. And the tax collector says, Lord, just hear my prayer. I'll give you my life. Because in the New Testament, if you want to use a standard, remember he told the rich young ruler, go sell everything. Go sell everything and give it to the poor. Then you can follow me. So there's got to be somewhere from everything to 10%, somewhere in between, or 23%. What is it that we're here to do? How are we supposed to do this? Well, we have always taught that 10% is the standard. And it's a t- standard that many of us have used for a lot of times. Now, it's not a command, but Jesus does commend it. It's not a law because we're under grace now. And if you want to get very specific, it's everything. Everything belongs to the Lord. But in our church, people have taken it upon themselves to give a 10% of their income. And when I asked the question, so should I give 10% of my net or 10% of my gross? Well, my pastor very wittingly said, well, what part of it do you want God to bless? Well, both. Okay, well, give 10% of both then. No, well, how about just the gross? Okay, well, just give 10% of your gross because that's, that's uh, you know, $5,000 and then that's 500 bucks and then three, whatever it is, a third, you know, 300. That's too much. Let me just give a little bit of this one, 10% of the most. And on top of that, my wife and I learned how to give out of what we received. 
through income taxes, though I have had already had tax or given off of that. And, and just so you know, my wife and I both have stopped tithing a lot of years ago. We now give above and beyond that. Amen. We've been given above and beyond that for many years. And as a matter of fact, as I was getting ready to share this with you, I asked my wife, okay, where are we at in our tithing? Because she takes care of that. She says, oh, I just upped it again. Oh, okay. So Amen. God is good. Amen. And, and even during these times, everyone can give. Now, I'm not asking you to follow my example. If you can, great. I'm just being transparent with you that we don't just sit here and receive, but we give. And not only that, that's just, that's just what we offer and we give to the Lord during worship. But we also give to people, entities, other places that we, we send some of our funds to because of how the Lord leads us. That's what it is that we have to, at least in our life, what we've learned to do. And Paul goes in, on in number three, the very next point. He says this. Give with confidence. Give with confidence to the Lord. And he says, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Just so you can know that the funds that I collect and take with me are going to be used for what it is that I'm telling you what we're going to use it for. And, and so those who give to the Lord's work, they have a right. You have a right to know what that gift is being used for legitimately and wisely. And as Paul instructed the people in Corinth, he says to appoint several people, men, those that are wise, with full yeah. of wisdom and the spirit, those that, that you can trust. Not just anybody. Within our church, we have several people within our church that oversee the finances and the monies that come in. We have people that oversee the collection. We have people that oversee the accounting. And we have people that, that oversee the disbursement. And right now, we have various groups as far as the directors and the trustees and, and of course, uh, the leadership of the church. And, and not only that, once a year, we also have what's called a members meeting. And we have a members annual meeting that we have, and we have that, and we give out our budget. This is our past budget, and this is our next year's budget. Here's what's came up, come in, here's what's gone out. And itemized, as a matter of fact, on to where that money went to. And we check it off, and we show you this is where it went to. Here's the amounts that came in. Here's the amounts that we sent out. And on top of that, every once in a while, we will give an accredit, a credit to maybe once a quarter, which we've been doing here recently, just, just to keep you informed, just so that you, we can be transparent and honest so you can see where all this money is coming from, who gets what and how much they get, and how, how this is all being dispersed out. And, and we also give you handouts to carry, uh, take, take with you with the current budgets and the proposed budgets of what we're going to be doing. And so we, we are trying to follow what Paul says, send credible men. Send people that are credible to oversee what's going on. And, and now with what's going on here just recently, I, I'm, I'm gathering more people around me to say, okay, we really need to be, and this is what I've said over and over again, we really need to be very good stewards of how God has blessed us here just recently. We need to know what we're going to do. I have ideas. I have plans. You know, I do. But what has God shown all of us? And I want, I want us all to be on the same page. And I'll tell you, I've had some pushback and, you know, well, let's do this, let's do that. Okay, but let's solidify it before we go any further. Before we go any further in what we're going to be doing, it is incumbent, it is important, it is imperative that every church 
have those that they can entrust over the property and the funds and things that come in. Churches have folded. Churches have gone astray because of pastors' hearts, of leaderships that have taken off and run off. Just last night, we saw a movie of a pastor that did that with his church. And uh, it wasn't planned. It was kind of like, well, let's watch this. And oh, wow, look at this guy. And I didn't even know he had become a pastor. He was more of a businessman that did all kinds of illegal things, went to prison, and came back out a changed man. They said, well, why don't you be our pastor? Their tagline was, come to this church where your pastor is worse off than you. <laughs> People said, I can do that. <laughs> I want to go see this guy. Unfortunately, he took them to the bank as well. See, the qualifications were not a financial or a, uh, are not financial or, or, you know, kind of business-wise that you have, which it helps. But the, the people that you have overseeing that comes, what comes in and goes out are men and women that are spiritually minded, that are willing to see beyond what other things. I can see certain things, but these men and women, they see more. than Not more, but altogether, we see more altogether. And so that, that's, what, that's what it is that we have here in our church. And to conclude this, this is really more a part of the next time that we talk about finances, which will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Number four, how should I give to the Lord? Well, I should give, number one, expectantly. I should expect that what I give, I'll receive back. I will. It's, it's a law of nature. Anything you plant bears a lot of fruit. When you plant an apple seed, you don't grow just another apple seed. What do you grow? Lots of apples. Don't say watermelons again. Ken, Ken will back there say watermelons. Cucumbers. You plant an apple seed, you get abundance of apples. You plant wheat, you get an abundance of wheat. Jesus said, he, I mean, excuse me, God, uh, Paul said, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You just don't want to plant one tree. You plant one tree, you get some fruit. You plant a bunch of trees, you get a lot of fruit. And blesses everyone. And you should give expectantly. You should give and able to be able to, to, to grow much, to be able to share with others. Number two, I, I should give willingly and cheerfully. In verses uh, 7 of 2 Corinthians 9, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. A giver that is just, <laughs> I want to give. That's how you should give. You should never give because the pastor is twisting your heart or making you to give. You should never give, you know, as if, uh, you should give as, as you've already decided in your heart. Something that, that, that you know, you know, I, I know what I want to give. As a matter of fact, here just a while back, I received a very generous gift. I received a very generous gift, and my first thought was, you know what, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give it all, you know, just lay it back in. That was, as soon as I received it, I'm going to give it back to the Lord. Gonna, the longer I held on to it, you know, but I need this. But, you know, I, I could do this. And the longer I held on to it, I just put it in my pocket and said, you know, well, maybe, maybe if I just give 10%, you know, wait, wait, I had to go back. All right, I've already decided in my heart what I was going to give. Yeah. Guess what? I gave it, and the Lord doubled it. Okay, go figure. <laughs> go figure. I don't know how that works, but I know, and, and it blessed me even more so. And, of course, we gave 10% of that as well. But 
the moment that God has already impressed upon your heart. And this is not something for the weak that are in the spirit, because a lot of people, they, you know, you hold on to it. You want, you want the, this is all I got left. And, and don't do it reluctantly. All right. You know, you might as well just not give it. You know, that's just a, a poisoned dollar. You know, you give it in that attitude, just don't give it. Seriously. The Lord's not going to bless that. You know, and just walk away from me. I gave my money, you know, whatever it was. Or don't give it under compulsion. In other words, just because the pastor or the leader or the person or the cause, oh, you know, well, maybe, maybe I can't give her. Don't do it like that. What has God placed upon your heart? And for, for most of us, that's why 10% rings well. You know, 10%, you know, God's given me that, that desire to give 10%. And for some, it hasn't. Some, it's, it's, it's to give more. But 10% is equal all the way around. If, if you earn little or you earn a lot, it is an equal sacrifice. An equal sacrifice. See, because what God says, he loves a cheerful giver. I should give generously. In verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This abounding. You see, finances are like manure, okay? When you hoard it, it just piles up and stinks. But when you spread it around, what? It grows. It fertilizes. And when you have that mentality, I want to grow the kingdom of God within my life, within my church, within the world, in the way that I can. So Paul gives us this very how-to, very practical how-to on how to give. And I think that if we, if we were to follow this, God will continue to bless this church. But here's the most important part of this whole sermon, this whole message. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, he says, They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. God will receive whatever gift comes in. He will receive it. The blessings are not there for those that think that God is a cosmic slot machine. Here's my tithe, God. The blessings are for those that genuinely get, and God knows who you are. He knows who you are. I can't discern at times and who that is. People send and, and give, and you know, I just pray over the oaths that they can give, that God multiply that. And in the last few weeks, one of the biggest fears of a lot of churches was that there wasn't going to be any people, finances, and all these other things. Just recently, over this, um, this package that came out that the federal government gave us, they had included in there what was called a PPP, uh, Personal Protection Plan. And this loan, it's, it's what it is. It's a loan. It's for all these businesses that are able to go in and take the monies out and use it on their facilities or their, their grounds and to, to be able to pay their employees. And it's a loan. They're going to expect it back. It's, yeah. go, it's going to turn into a grant, possibly, if they certain specifications. Our bank contacted us. And I, and I, got, the, I got the application. Okay, and I got the application. And I says, all right, well, let me start filling it out. And at the moment I got the application, I just, I just didn't feel easy about it. For whatever reason, I just, you know, and then so I kept it. And then I, I, the next day I went back to it and I said, oh, let me fill it out some more. It's asking for more, inf- not, not a whole lot of information. It was very simple, very easy. And, you know, I just still didn't feel easy about it. 
And then I just says, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to pass on this. I'm just going to pass on this. I mean, it wasn't much. It was, it was good. It was going to be nice to, to have a little bit extra. But, you know, God's going to take care of us. The following day, when I said that, we received a huge lump sum. I couldn't believe that. I go, okay, thank you, Lord. Lord, you are in control. I went to the bank, and the manager says, hey, are you going to fill out that application? I says, look at this. Whoa, where'd that come from? I was able to use it as a testimony. Wow, God is good with you guys. Man, I go, yeah. I don't need the government. I got God. <laughs> you don't need the government. You have God. Let me ask you to stand. Father in heaven, I know that talking about giving in money during this time is difficult for many people. But not when we look at your word. When we see what your word has to say, it helps us to understand and clarify. And I know that this is going to rub people the wrong way. I understand that. And this message is designed specifically for those that you have called according to your purpose. For those that you have chosen and elected. For those that are regenerated and trust in you and only you. And I pray, Father, that each person, as Malachi would tell us, to trust you on this, to test you on this, to tell you on this, Lord, that you can, you can take care of our every need when we just test you and lay out what it is that we have before us. It's all yours anyways. I thank you, God, for just giving us this ability to, to be so free and so able to come and go as you've blessed this church in so many ways. And just the, the things that you're doing within this church and the church family. And the things that you're doing on the outside, as far as the cosmetics and the aesthetics of this church. And Father, it's only because of you that we're able to prosper and, and, and to, to grow and to persevere, especially in, in troubling times. So Lord, I pray this prayer upon everyone that is listening today. That you bless each person abundantly according to what they can give and according to what you've already blessed them with. Give them the desires of your heart. Let them know, Father, that they are so important to you that you will not let them go without blessing each one of us. So, Father, thank you once again for this opportunity to, to be able to share this word and to be able to dive right into it. And as you lead us, I pray that you continue to be with us and guide us in all things. So, Father, we just love you and we praise you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen and amen. amen. All right. We're not going to have any music uh, online. So I think we're going to be shutting off now. Love you guys. Hope to see you guys soon. All right. But if you guys want to stick around for a little bit of music, we can. <laughs>